Hey, this is Matt Knutson, uh, and if I sound familiar, it's because you're currently listening to my voice. You can find me also here on Old Ute Radio. Hey, this is Jay Whitaker of the Geek Show Podcast. You are now listening to Old Ute Radio. Tune in now, because it's about to go down. You are listening to KU Radio's only podcast, Old Ute Radio. It's with tremendous pleasure I bring in Old Ute Radio's new co-host, Rebecca. You can tune in to All You Radio, Tuesdays from 5 to 8 p.m. at 801-585-3449. You're listening to All You Radio. Hello, this is OU Radio. Today in studio, there's no Becca. No Becca, just me. Keith McDonald, Keith the Chai DJ. Oh my goodness, man. I can never get away from that nickname. (laughs) I said it once and it's followed me around campus for two semesters. Well, I appreciate your love and kindness taking your spring break to come do radio. Uh, I have to admit, sir. I really wasn't giving up too much excitement <laughs> to come here. <laughs> if, I were, if I had the option to be in Cancun, I'd probably be there right now listening to a Mexican radio. Isn't that the greatest song in the world? It's grown on me. It, it grew on me, man. When you told me, when you told me about the song, I, 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 you know, I kind of got that skin kind of kind of furled on the back of my, my arms. I'm like, oh, my goodness. But it's, it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Wait until uh, Mr. Dakota Force joins us at 7.30 and you hear his intro song. Oh, my goodness. It's a doozy. Oh, my goodness. So I'm super excited today. We have the tremendously funny and confident Steve Solberg coming in, the comedian, Salt Lake. I think Solberg is an excellent last name. Like, if I was if I was Jewish, I would change my last name to Solberg. <laughs> that is the best, man. Not Goldstein. <laughs> Not Goldstein. Because I would be a black Jew, so it would be Solberg. Come on, man. You, you got to admit, that is kind of funny, man. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so how's your life going? It's going great. You know, it's Tuesday. I still have three days ahead of me. You know, well, exactly five days ahead of me in my spring break, and you know I'm getting some work done now, so my the rest of my semester is not hectic and relaxing, and you know just enjoying it. Are you going to Lake Powell, uh, Lake Havasu? You going to Cancun? You doing anything fun? Man, <laughs> I just I just had my son's ninth birthday party. Happy so birthday, Amir. Amar, Amar, Amar. Amar. And and you know I I, sp- I spent the I spent the inter- entertainment budget for the month <laughs> <laughs> on that party and on a Kindle Fire HD. Nice, spoiled him. You know, well he's he's my son, so of course he's not spoiled at all. <laughs> he's walking around his campus with me every day, so I think he deserves it. His laptop, he had a little lap used laptop that broke, so I think a Kindle is a good way to keep him reading, and and I I, I definitely put some 
educational apps on there for him. My son uses a Kindle, and I don't understand it. I can't read on those things. I much prefer a book. I would much prefer a book, too. After a while, my eyes kind of start. And we, we're on screen so much with the radio and, and producing, you know, uh, audio files and stuff that when I can actually open up a book and close this laptop up, I'm, I, I'm really happy. So I, I, I agree with you. It's very interesting to me how much the computer has come into my world. You know, I have two screens at home. I'm constantly either editing video for money or editing audio for the radio show or other people's radio shows or content for KU. And it gets overwhelming. It's like I'm always on a computer. And I grew up as an athletic kid. I was outside from 6 in the morning to 6 at night playing sport. In high school, I was playing two sports. In first year of college, I was playing sport. And now it's like I turned into a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, man? Um it's different than 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 like 10 20 years ago man nerds are in now man nerds are nerds are it's it's a good thing to be a nerd these days i went to the board game and uh i'm a part of the board game club uh, is this dungeons and dragons and it's such it's all those things well i life risk <laughs> well it's all of those like i i joined up for my son cuz the board game club meets yeah. during my show on Friday, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, he could sit there and play board games with them. Sure. And uh, it just so happened that they were throwing a function during his party, so I went up there and I said, hey, can we use these screens and let the kids play some video games? The board game club has about six females that come there, dude. So they're wow. not just like nerds sitting in there together like ogling over a Tomb Raider uh, you know, <laughs> models and stuff like that. They actually have real live females there, man. It's not, it's not you know, shunned anymore. So... In the last part of the show, we're going to be discussing Barrett Brown. He's, an, he's a hacker. He's an anonymous guy, and he's facing a lot of prison. So I've been researching anonymous and hacking and what is hacktivism, right, yes. or progressive journalism. And the number of women involved in hacking blew my mind. It's, there's a large sector of hackers that are women. And in my journalism program that I did here at the U, uh, you're often surrounded by people that are making templates for television or for magazines, newspapers, etc. Most of them are women, graphic designers, right? So it only makes sense to me that we have a rise of women who are nerds. Definitely, definitely. Well, and I think part of it is, um, I think more women are into video games and comics and technology than there used to be. I think there used to be some sort of stereotype about women aren't good at math and women aren't good in the sciences. And I think that's pretty much been obliterated in the last you know, decade or so. When I was uh, in elementary school, they still taught home ec to women, teaching them how to sew, how to knit, I need to know how to sew right now myself, actually. <laughs> it's a dying art. <laughs> you know, my I, I got a brand new pair of jeans for the kid, and I saw the perfectly pair of new good pair of jeans, and the seam went out. I'm like, man, this could be a good time for me to know how to sew, and I have no clue how to do it. So you're a munitions expert. You can make a bomb or a bullet, but you can't sew a jean. Bad form, sir. That is, that, you know, you know I, I, I'm not a creator. I'm a destroyer, I guess. <laughs> I'm good at breaking things, not good at making things. So watch out for your show, sir. Well, this show's been a wreck for a long time. <laughs> Speaking of our show, Becca, I hope you're having fun in California. She went out there to go to Magic Mountain. 
I don't believe it. That's her story. I think she went to go get married in Vegas. Wait, she went to California? Yeah. To go see Magic Mountain? To go to Magic Mountain. To go Magic Mountain. For That's the... Roller... Uh, coaster. Like yeah. Disney roller coaster. Is that outside of Yeah, it's it? a theme park where extremely obese people go, or gangbangers, mm-hmm. and they go on roller coasters. It's not exciting. It's not fun. You spend tons of money. I went to Disney in florida as a kid and i really wasn't that impressed mainly because i went to six flags great america all the time Uh as a kid you know it's right by chicago my hometown and they have much better rides (laughs) so when i went to disney it's like well i'm not really a mickey mouse fan so i don't really care i want to go on good rides (laughs) that that was my reason about it and it's it's just insanely expensive i think it's 137 bucks for one ticket now for one person to go wow or that's what I was just reading my friend complaining about, about on Facebook. <laughs> it's like 137 oh my goodness. So you got a family of four, and you're from out of town. you got to get hotels, gas. It's a couple of grand. Yeah, I'm, I mean, if you got it like that, I guess, man. You know, More fun to go bike riding in Moab, drinking in Wyoming. I mean, there's so many other options you could do. I don't think drinking is a family family excursion though Sasha <laughs> depends on what family you're from sir <laughs> hey, I, I, guess you could, I guess you could argue that so this week the University of Utah men's basketball team tomorrow start yes. the Pac-12 championships in versus, Vegas versus University of Wisconsin Wisconsin um, Wisconsin University <laughs> of Washington I'm, I'm stuck in my Pac-10 I mean Big 12 Big 10 mode so the Pac-12 kind of sometimes the abbreviations UW I'm thinking in Wisconsin not Washington but yes the University of the University of Washington and I think we got a good chance to take it man the only team in the Pac-12 tournament that two teams that I think we're gonna have trouble with are Oregon and Arizona so I've seen all the Pac-12 play. Arizona is very good. Yes. Uh, top five ranking right now. I don't know exactly where they're at. Nick Johnson, Pac-12 player of the year. Yes. Uh, Oregon, they're decent. They're not good on the line. Uh, they're sporadic. They're very athletic. They're very talented. And they that have great uniforms. They, they always, Oregon always has the best uniforms in every sport. It's because they're, the Nike's owner went to Oregon. Yes. Stanford is very good. They're very, they're very, they're not athletic, but they're very physical. And, and they're, they're tall. They've got height, and we're not a very tall team. And they're coached well. I think our team has the best player in the Pac-12 in DeLon Wright. Really? Yeah, I think, I hope he stays. I haven't heard any chatter about him going to the NBA. He's going to stay. But if he's he, a first-round pick this year if he goes. He's, I, I really think that he's a second-round pick, a high second-round pick this year if he goes, just for lack of exposure. This is his first year in, the, in, a, in a major conference. He played Juco last year. Yes. But I think that with a good showing in his senior year, he can definitely be a first-round pick. But he has an advantage that over almost everyone in the country. His brother is a current NBA player. He grew up playing with an NBA player his whole life. Yeah, but I And he takes him now. I would argue, I would argue that a lot of guys that are in, that are like six, five and above, have brothers and sisters <laughs> that have played. Some of them have brothers and sisters that have played professionally overseas or in the NBA. But that is an advantage. And plus, his brother went as a high school senior to the NBA. He was he was a prodigy at basketball. Oh, he was one of those kids. Yeah, he was one of the last kids that made it through before the rule change. That's impressive that Delon Wright has stayed such a good man because he's been exposed to large amounts of money as a young boy 
well, I read his story, yeah. and I guess growing up, he said that he was glad when his brother went away because he was always picking on him, like that <laughs> dynamic, the older brother, younger brother dynamic. Sure. I guess he, he went away to high school and then went to the NBA, and I guess he was kind of happy at that time, but then when he got into basketball, they developed a closer relationship. He's a, a thrill to watch. He's, He's an excellent player. He makes it look easy. And if he misses the shot, he goes and steals the ball on the on the exactly. turnaround. And he's a two he's a two way player. That's what really I really like. You about never him. see him put his head down. You never see him put his hands on his knees, as in to show tiredness. I saw him put his head down when they when he missed the when he turned that turnover uh, on the last game we had here, and he threw the ball away. But he he generally has good body language. Yes, is, and I like that. But one of my favorite players from the beginning of the season until now. Well, now, because I didn't like him at the beginning of the season, is Brandon Taylor, man. I think Brandon Taylor, and, and I'm a short basketball player. I was a short basketball player in high school. Uh -huh. I think at 5'10", to be a Pac-12 player is incredible. And I think L.A. kids have a hard time transitioning to NCAA basketball in general. Really? Yeah, I've noticed uh, the Long Beach kids, the, a lot of kids from the Compton, South Central's, it, ta it takes them a couple years because the basketball they play is is very different than how structured and slowed down the NCAA basketball is, especially Pac-12. Depends on what program you go to, but for the most part, I, I could agree with that. I think certain programs are run and gun, but there's not a lot of run and gun basketball in college. I mean, you, you got to set up offensive sets you got to do defensive sets and there's just too much height and talent to run and gun as, as opposed in these high school programs where you got two you know players that are going to play college and you're a state you know qualifier your state championship caliber team so i would i would agree with that i think it takes a lot of discipline as a freshman unless you've got that supreme talent like a, a jabari parker or a, a wiggins or a, a, a randall you know those top See, guys they have that a, they have that AU is it AUU? AUU yeah. They have that maturity from AUU and playing against the best players in their age group since they were ten. I think it could go both ways. If you got to have a good AAU coach that keeps you disciplined, mm -hmm. then it's good. If you have one of those guys that is like, I'm gonna get you the best gym shoes. You're gonna come play with me, and you can do whatever you want. And you know, we don't care as long as you're you're winning and dunk and doing what you want to. Then it's fine with me. I think sometimes those coaches kind of hinder players. But I think a good coach in AAU, AAU will definitely, AUU will definitely help a player. Are you a fan of the current NCAA product for basketball? Product mm -hmm. overall? Yeah. I am. I'm, I'm a fan of the product. However, I don't think that uh, they, they should require a player to come to college if he doesn't want to come. I think those spots could be filled by players that might not be as flashy or talented, but players that want to be student athletes. I think I think that the NBA has a responsibility of really getting the D League going. Exactly, and that's and that's what I'm saying. If if they, as in hockey, as in baseball, you know, I don't count football and I don't count boxing because I don't think uh, teenagers should be in the same realm as grown men in contact sports. But as far as basketball, if they don't want to come to college, if they're not going to come here to study, then they should go to the D-League. They should go overseas, but they shouldn't take a valuable spot at a university from somebody that will use it to their advantage and, and appreciate it. It's got to be tough being a coach. It does, man. Especially when you, now that it's the one-and-done syndrome going on throughout the country, you're always rebuilding. Always rebuilding. But, I mean, for the $4 million that you get for it, I guess, it would make up for it. You know, like, hey, 
you, you get, they get paid a lot of money. They age quick too, man. They man, did you see at the Arizona game? I, I can't pronounce his last name, so I call him our Coach K. Yes, but <laughs> he was out of his blazer and tie in like the first eight minutes. Man, he had sweat <laughs> through it and threw it over and. He was into that game, man. He's he's a, he's definitely a very intense person, and they don't they don't take a playoff, man. They're they're always doing something. I'll tell you what, and I hope I'm not offending anybody. One of the nicest men I've ever met is Coach K. Really? Yes, the way he treats his players, the way he even treats the little kids that sweep up the sweat, and the way he treats the television crew is phenomenal. Nice. He's a caring man, and he he treats us well. He treats me well. He treats – I've never – he'll yell a lot, but it's never with bitterness or with violence. It's always with, hey, get better. One thing is if it's a a packed, you know, a a packed Huntsman Center, man, you can't can't whisper – your commands to the guys, you gotta, you, you gotta <laughs> yell, man. You gotta yell. My favorite team is the Bulls, and at the end of the the, the game, uh, Tom Thibodeau is is horse nine times out of ten, man. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy him. I I hope that the University of Utah really. I thought they were going to go to the NCAA this year. This that was my prediction prediction earlier in the year. I thought they were a tournament bound team. Doesn't look like they're going to get there this unless they win the unless tournament. Unless they win the tournament, and it, it sucks because you know you got these small conferences with teams that didn't play anybody all year, and they're going to the dance, but we're not going to the dance, which kind of kind of stinks, you know. Well, our RPI was short. You know, we play it. I you have to as a fan or a student or anybody who watches the game have to realize that you know they they went soft for the first ten games. They really played a lackadaisical schedule. I mean. There was one game against a team from Washington State in Olympia, uh, Evergreen, and there were only two people on their team that I wasn't taller than (laughs) or as tall as. And that's not good, man. That's not good. And they lost like 40-something points, and it was a joke. And it's like, I'm not saying you rob the fans. I'm not saying you rob your players, but that's too easy of a game. I, I, I can see that, but in the same breath, you know, our star player came from JUCO, man. So I, I, I like the fact that we got his feet wet with some, you know, some easier games at first to get his confidence up because this got to be a big adjustment going from JUCO. I mean, guys that are probably working at gas stations and, and shoe stores right now and then going to the Pac-12 with, you know, and then you guard Nick Young and uh, Nick Young, Nick Johnson <laughs> and uh, Nick Young, the, the, the Lakers NBA players. bust. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Swaggy P. I USC. Hate, I can't stand that guy. Yeah, oh, my ruined goodness. Ruined the USC uh, team with O.J. Mayo. I, I would have expected a national championship from that team. Meh. O.J. Mayo, Nick Young, when they went there, I was like, they're going to win. Meh. <laughs> you got to have good big men in, in today's college game, man. It's, it's all about tall guys, man. Yes. It, I mean, you know, if you're – if you're six eight and 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 below, you're average height for the NBA. We have a good squad, but we have to. We, when we had the best squads, who do we have? We had Andrew Bogut, we had Keith Van Horn, we had tall talent. Yes, it's premium though. It's a it's at a premium. What what we need to do is start recruiting people, saying and and saying, hey, these mountains are beautiful. You know, I I mean, we we got to start recruiting better we and we have to turn these these young players from LA that we have now into recruiters for us to get more kids from other areas and well, that's why Delon Wright came here as a past player 
said, hey. Really? Who? I, I forget the kid's name, and I apologize. But they were friends growing up, and he just graduated last year, and he was like, hey, DeLon, come play for us, man. We got a good thing going here. We got nice. a great coach. I think the sleeper on our team is Princeton Anwas, man. Yes. Princeton Anwas is he's like. He's got big ups. He's got a lot of ups, man. <laughs> and his, his, his alley-oop dunk on the last game of the season, I want to say it was versus Arizona State. Yes. 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 His 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 alley oop dunk is going to be the highlight of my digital communications <laughs> project that he capped off the season perfectly for me. I mean, we played that last game from wire to wire to the last second. We blocked the last second shot with the lead by like a few points. You know, so I was really proud of the guys. Uh, no, they don't give up. They're a gutsy team. You know, the the one thing I think we need to work on for next year is our road. Uh, our road. Uh, what do you want to say? Uh, Confidence, confidence, or, or, or composure. To the crowd. Yeah, yeah. The we food, have to play bus. better away. We play great in the Huntsman Center, but when we go on the road, like we beat USA here, we lose to them over there. We beat, you know, Arizona State here, we you lose to them there. We have to start beating teams in their own stadium. I think the University of Utah needs to do is start traveling Mario and Luigi. Really? Yeah. Yes. Get them out Mario there. Mario and Luigi, get a couple of minions too, man. While we're at it, there's a war, uh, Wario once in a while. I haven't seen Wario, man. Yeah. I always see Mario and Luigi, though. They're, they're, they're awesome. always there. They follow me on Twitter. At oh, really? Mr. Underscore Bloom. Oh, Mario and Luigi, you got to <laughs> follow me, too, man. I got you. I got their picture of my project. So we're going to break. When we get back, Steve Solberg coming in to make us laugh, teach us about Ragnar, and all things funny and fun in Salt Lake City. So I appreciate you, Keith McDonald. No problem. Thank you for joining us. I hope you're enjoying your honeymoon, Becca, if you're listening Becca really got married? She, she says married? she's not, but I'm convinced. That's a, Becca, if you eloped, that's your thing. Do your thing, Becca. <laughs> Come back with pictures. Tell you what, Mitch will be the luckiest man in the world if he gets her to marry him. <laughs> You're saying it like it's so like he has to conjure up some spells, Bailey from root of a, a oak tree, and 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 convince her to do it that way. It's it's Put a spell on unique it? when you find a brilliant and beautiful woman. And that's what Becca is. She's a talent. She's amazing. And uh, she's dearly missed at OU Radio. So She is. She'll be back in a week, man. Don't be that cow on the one commercial, <laughs> man. She's going to be back, man. <laughs> you, know that, you know what commercial I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I hope it plays. Peace. <laughs> we'll be back in a little bit. Stay Thank tuned. you. Becca, I met the most beautiful girl in the world today on campus. I so want to ask her out, but I'm flat broke. Can you loan me some money, please? Sasha, I could, but I'd rather see you mature and grow up. Save your money so that when you need it, you have it. Who's going to help me achieve that goal? The Personal Money Management Center at the University of Utah. At the Personal Money Management Center, they'll show you how to create a personalized budget, help you plan tuition and student loan payments, and even evaluate potential job offers. It's so tough being responsible. I think I'll give Personal Money Management Center a call. What's their number? 801-585-7379. If that's too hard, you can even check out their website at personal-money-management.utah.edu for more details. Financial freedom and a hot date are only a click away. From the Purple Mountains and the Valley of Smoke, this is All Ute Radio. 
This is Rebecca from All Ute Radio. Tune in to hear the show live every Tuesday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Or catch the show on demand at KUteRadio.org. My name is Brian Pope. You're listening to Old Ute Radio. Bob Bedore from Quickwits really hates BYU. I've heard him say so on stage. Ask him about it. Hello, this is Old Ute Radio. I'm in studio with my co-host for the day, Keith McDonald, and I'm in here with the hysterically funny Steve Solberg. How are hey, you, sir? Hey, feel, feeling good. Hysterically I like funny. <laughs> I like that. Oh, you're so confident on stage, and you're very funny on stage. I saw you last Wednesday at Open Mic Night at Wise Guys West Valley. Okay, yeah, I remember. What did, did it? Was I funny at that show? Open Mic is such a you, shoot, you were hysterical. You you were having a conversation with the fans about who you look like. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. We started off. Because the guy goes, Bon Jovi. Yeah. Which I've never heard anybody go, you look like Bon Jovi. But maybe I don't know what Bon Jovi looks like, to be honest. <laughs> Hasn't he had a lot of plastic surgeries? Feels like he must have. I mean, to to be able to come back after 20 years, how long was he gone? I mean, it was a long time. I think he's in discussions now of buying a football team for the NFL. I know he owns. Is he really? Yeah, he owns a arena football, I think, in <laughs> Philadelphia. But now I think he's trying to get in on the ownership in L.A. Is he a Philly guy? Is that where he's from? Oh, or he, he just bo- wants probably Boston. Oh, okay. One of those two. Okay, Philly would have made sense to me because he seems kind of bizarre a little bit. <laughs> like I don't know if I'm hurting people's feelings, but hey, oh, go ahead. Any 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 city that pelts santa with snowballs deserves a little bit of uh criticism man that's what i say <laughs> yeah but let yeah. me not go too far because i'm going to philly this summer for an internship <laughs> man they're gonna slay me wait what are you doing out there i'm going to temple university for uh, a month-long thing on uh writing and ethnic studies that's beautiful what uh do you know where you're gonna live out there or what you're gonna, gonna i'm gonna be on the campus right on right at temple mm-hmm. it's in a pretty rough neighborhood my grandpa Got his degree there, like back in 1920 or something like that. So, so no fantasies about wearing Heathcliff Huxtable shirt sweaters and 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 walking down the street like like Will Smith. I think that's your only safety zone, sir. It's like it's <laughs> it's in the hood. Like, I'm from Chicago, man. I'm pretty sure I'll, 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 I'll be able to to you know survive. You can handle it. Yeah, yeah. We're the Philly's the only place that I know a guy from Philly, and he has a story about how he got shot in the leg. And uh, he's like, oh, it's no big deal. I was shot in the leg. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I don't know anybody who's been shot, much less somebody who says I've been shot. No big deal. <laughs> Unless they're like a, a, a ranger or like a, a Navy SEAL or something like that, not yeah. like a civilian. Yeah. No big deal, you know. Yeah, it happens. Just just, just pour some, uh, <laughs> some, you know, light it on fire, burn it, burn, cauterize the room, and we'll be okay. Put Windex on it. So I have a question for you about comedy. You've been doing comedy for how many years now? Uh, seven years. So, yeah, you're a seasoned veteran. You make a professional living off of comedy, which is rare. Like, you're in that rarefied air. I noticed at Wise Guys, and I'm not singling out Wise Guys because I've seen it at Five Monkeys, mm-hmm. there are a lot of white comics in Salt Lake City who are very racist. 
Oh my gosh, yeah. Right. We were, t- were we talking about that after yes. open mic last night? Uh, there was this one kid who was horribly offensive uh, yeah. towards Mexican people. That's always the popular one in Salt Lake. Just I don't know why. Is that because Jay Whitaker is hosting and he's a black guy, and they so they stay? No, away? I've s- I've seen it at all the clubs. It's. I mean, I've seen it at Wise Guys a few times, mm-hmm. possibly because it's in West Valley, mm-hmm. and the majority of the ethnicity out there is, is, is Mexican and stuff like that, and so it feels like, I, I don't know why, but I think there's a feeling like, oh, these are the majority, it's okay to poke fun at any majority, you know? Uh, but that, that said, I've seen it, at, like you said, I've seen it at other clubs as well. I've seen it at the Complex, and uh, I've never been to Five Monkeys, so to be honest... I think there's a degree of people doing that type of humor because it's what they see on TV. Comedy Central right now is pushing uh, people who put people on edge. They love the edgy stuff. Almost every comedian I see on Comedy Central is somebody who has an edge. One of my good friends got turned down for a half-hour special, and he's a phenomenal comedian. Has done every big gig. You know, He mm-hmm. just did... You don't get bigger than this gig. He just did a gig at the Sydney Opera House wow. in Australia. Yeah, I mean, that's like, <laughs> come on. There's no What's bigger. His name? Ryan Hamilton. Oh, sure. Yeah, you know yeah. Ryan. And, uh, and he used to be, you know, a comic here in Salt Lake. Well, Comedy Central turned him down for a half-hour special. I don't know if it's okay that I say this, but it doesn't, whatever. I don't think Ryan will listen to this. <laughs> He's a humble guy. Um, but anyways, they turned him out and saying, hey, you're, you're not edgy enough for us, which to me was like, are you kidding me? Like, your whole lineup is edgy. If everybody's edgy, it ends up being like a non-edgy thing, you know? Because everybody's doing the same thing. I don't know if that makes sense. So do they want the edgy, like a Dave Chappelle show with the, where you're borderline sexist, borderline racist, right. borderline with your language, or do they just want a rougher look? I think I think it's your content. I think they want people who hit the basic topics where they want you go in, you hit every race, and then you hit, uh, you know, maybe some sexist stuff, and you close on a, <laughs> you know, a, another, another sex joke, and that's tough to do. It's uh, it's too to me. I'm like, come on, it's been done, you know, and I think the reason why local comedians will feel I could be completely wrong, too, but whatever. My opinion, the reason you'll see a lot of racist material at the clubs is because it's what you see on TV a lot. And I think people, whether or not they say they are, they're influenced pretty strongly by the people who are getting some heat, getting uh, television shows and getting mm-hmm. stuff like that. It always seems to be. Look at Chelsea Handler. She's got that little midget Mexican guy. Yeah, the and porn like, guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a porn guy? Yes. What's his name? She always uh, calls him by his uh, name. What is oh. that guy's name? I had to Google that. He's uh, Guillermo, he re- right? Yeah, Guillermo. He, he reminds me of Tattoo, though. <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> from from Deplane, uh, Deplane, boss? That guy. No idea. Oh. <laughs> Somebody out there got that. Somebody out there. I don't got. watch enough TV. I w- this is like old, old school TV. <laughs> Deplane. Fantasy Island. That was what, what it was from. <laughs> I don't even know what that is, but that sounds awesome. It sounds like a video game or something. Fantasy Island. So Keith and I, uh, before the show started, we were having a conversation where it's easy for me to laugh when Richard Pryor is being racist. It's easy right. f- for me to laugh when 
I don't know any minority, whether it's Lopez or any of those type of people. But when I watch white people on stage or on cinema being racist, I go, oh, that's uncomfortable. Well, so, well let, yeah. let me say, so my, my take on it was I'm not uncomfortable when somebody talks bad about their own ethnicity. If, mm-hmm. if, if, if I even saw a black comedian talking bad about Mexicans or whites, it would make me uncomfortable because I have Mexican and white friends. But if you, it's kind of like self-depreciating humor. If you talk about yourself yeah. or your own race, I don't see that as off limits, but it's not, it's not cool to me personally. I don't enjoy seeing somebody make fun of somebody else's race. I agree. I agree. And, you know, it, I wonder if that's like the next territory to explore. It feels like comedy has had so many uh, subjects that have been hit that like anything that's like relationship or airline food or whatever, it's all hacky. And so I wonder if people feel like, well, I'm going to push the envelope and be racist against not my race. Oh, and sure. maybe that's their idea of the next new playing field. And there's a lot of comedians I know who would say, look, nothing's off limits. Sure. And uh, I just had this conversation with somebody today where they, they were like, well, here's the thing. I will be you know, racist against Mexicans or, or whatever, but I'll also be I'll also hit the whites. I'll also hit blacks. I'll also hit, you know, and it's like, come on. I, I know that that's the concept like, oh, don't worry. I'll hit everyone. I've heard so many comedians say that. Like, oh, I know you're getting uncomfortable <laughs> because I'm I'm picking on this race, but don't worry, I'll hit everybody. And then it it does sort of release the tension a little bit, but I don't love that style of humor mm-hmm. because it's like, well, why not? Why can't you just be funny without like sort of pinning everyone to the wall? Well, pers- you know? Personally, I think that's a trend in in more than just comedy though. You see these politicians and they come out with a tweet, you know, kind of disparaging a certain race and then they delete it or uh, uh, the one lady she's a PR person for CNN and she she travels and says something really yes. disparaging about <laughs> you know uh, uh, about a certain race of people and they take it back and I think that's the way that people use nowadays with social yeah. media so many people looking for attention the way you do that is to become edgy I mean the only way that you can stand out now is to do something edgy because so many people have a voice now makes sense and it's like it is a challenge i think to be able to be standing out without like being edgy without a sex tape without something that just says like i've done something completely weird i mean that's what (laughs) comedy i think a big part of it is like the surprise right like you didn't anticipate them to say this or that thing the twist you know and maybe it's getting more and more difficult for us to get to that punchline without somewhat of a more strong twist is it the impatience of the crowd that they've seen it they've seen everything on the internet so now you have when they go actually go out to a show you have to shock them or awe them maybe i it might be and that's why i don't know i i work more clean um and it attracts a little bit more of a clean audience um which totally is great for me because I can be way more creative, way more goofy, way more, like I'll do stupid stuff where I'll talk with the audience about Bon Jovi and Kevin Bacon and stuff like that. And now, I'm seeing the Kevin Bacon more than Bon Jovi. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what we went for, yeah. <laughs> that's I'm, seeing what the I Kev- I'm seeing the Kevin Bacon. <laughs> See, and I love joking about that type of stuff, just stupid idiosyncrasies and, and basic everyday life. That, like, my mom could be at the show, too, and not wanting to throw up or gouge her ears out or whatever. 
I am totally of that that vein. You know, I have a show, and I like for my mom to listen to my show. Yeah. And I, I, you know, so I have a lot of extreme stuff in my iTunes library that I don't play because I want mom to hear it. But I think it's a good avenue for Salt Lake to make jokes about the Latter-day Saints religion. I mean, mm-hmm. or the upbringing. When I watched one of your uh, stand-ups on, uh, on YouTube, that was the first thing that kind of hit. In uh-huh. that. And f- as somebody from Chicago with a lot of, I have thousands of friends on on Facebook, thousands of friends in actual, actually, you know, in real life, they have no clue about what it is to be a Mormon right. in Utah. So that's like a whole demographic that you can touch nationally that doesn't have that Valley experience. And it's such a weird experience, like, or unique, I guess. Weird sounds like I'm being mean, but uh, I like yeah, I like talking about the the things that are true to you, you know? I think that makes comedy so much more funny when you're, like, honest and just straightforward and then not having to, like we're saying, like, pick on someone. Like, pick on yourself if you feel like that you've got to pick on someone. And I, I'm not the self-depreciating humor fan, you know? Uh, somebody that we had on uh, this summer, Andy Gold. Yes. He is a depreciating humor. Like, that's his thing. Yeah. That's yeah. His, that is his niche. And he's, we're friends on Facebook, and I read a lot of his stuff. And he's a funny guy, but it's just not my niche. So I guess you just have to find a comedian that fits your type of humor. And there's one for everybody, that's for sure. That's the weird thing is, like, sometimes I'll watch comics, and I'll be like, I don't love that. But then they'll be way, way more successful than where I'm at. And it's like, okay, I guess there's somebody for everybody. I'm with you, too, on the self-depreciation stuff. I don't love doing it. Me, personally, because it's like, hey, that is me, and I already have self-confidence issues as it is. So but you're I- also a very <laughs> good-looking guy. You're brilliant, and you're funny. Like, right. how could, how, you know, when you have a Jimmy Norton who thinks of himself as ugly, oh, or you yeah. have a Patrice O'Neill who thinks he's just this huge fat guy, uh-huh. or <laughs> Sam Kennison, it makes <laughs> sense how they can turn their bit into, I'm a monster, right? Right, right. I... I have a hard time in social media because I'm trained as a journalist. I work in newsrooms. I work in television. And so I can't cuss. I can't be rude, even though I, in my social life, it's gotten, <laughs> it's gotten better since I've been readjusting myself. But I love the inappropriate joke. I love to troll people, but I can't do it. And it really bothers me, and it makes me unhappy. And so I always have this conflict in my head. Oh, I really just want to zing this person on Twitter, but I right. can't do it. And so that's what I love about comedy is the freedom of self-expression. That was one thing I really enjoyed about going to open mic night and watching these really obese racists was that they have the opportunity to say these <laughs> words. And if they get hit, hey, no one's going to get mad about it. Right. But at least that there's an, an avenue in this society that allows for freedom of expression. And I hats off to, you know, the people at White, Seth Tippett and Keith, you know, they do a great job over there. You know, it's crazy, like, that freedom of expression that comedy provides. I don't think people realize this, but there are so many people who are probably releasing that aggression at open mics across the country that we should be thankful for. Like, it's <laughs> just like... They're crazy. There's some crazy, crazy people, and it's like they just get it out at some random open mic, and it's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> so we're getting ready to go to break. I hope we, when we get back from break, we can have you on for a little bit more. 
I want to talk to you about your Ragnar Association. Oh, yeah. Before that, what dates do you have coming up uh, this week, next week? Uh, this week, I'm going to be in Georgia, so nothing locally. Next week, I am at Wise Guys in Ogden, so the 21st and the 22nd of okay. March, 8 p.m. And I'll make sure we plug that next week. Cool. So when you go up to Ogden, it's what is it, about a half-hour drive from Salt Lake City? Yeah, from here, uh, 35, 40 minutes or so. Maybe not even that. You can take Front Runner, too, if you— uh, Oh, that's beautiful. So if you really want to get drunk, you can— Yeah. Okay. Yeah, take the Front Runner. And, the, you're and, if, and if you're just getting—what time's your show? Roughly? 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. So mm -hmm. if you're just getting off work and you're hungry, you can go up and get a sandwich or— a hamburger, get a drink, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, they have a full menu up there. And uh, let's see, Ogden Club, I think they serve the little pizzas that are my favorite thing up there. Each club seems to have their unique mm -hmm. thing. And so, or uh, people don't think of Ogden as a place to go, but 25th Street actually has a ton of restaurants up there. So, like yeah, it's where the mob came. I mean, that's Al right. Capone was an Ogden guy. On Get 25th out of here. Street. Al Capone was in Ogden. Yeah, this is where they came. This was one of the head bootlegging parts of the country. Really? And so it, yeah. all the trains would load up their alcohol and booze. And I don't know if he had a home in Ogden, but he's definitely spent a lot of time up there. Get out of here. Yeah. Man. yeah. I man. could take you to his home in Chicago Heights, man. <laughs> really? Yeah. I hear a documentary. <laughs> I know, man. From <laughs> Chicago to Ogden with Al Capone. Al Capone. They built a street. <laughs> no, no lie. They built a street called Cicero. That goes through my neighborhood. It's from downtown all the way through the south suburbs, and it specifically was built by gangsters for gangsters. <laughs> well, here at <laughs> OU Radio, we do radio for KU Internet Radio by students. For, for students. students, exactly. Yes. <laughs> so with that, we're going to go to break, and I really appreciate you coming in, Steve Solberg. Where can they find you on Facebook or Twitter? Just uh, my name, Steve Solberg, which is just Steve Common Spelling, and then Solberg is S-O-E-L. B-E-R-G, Twitter, it's just Steve Solberg at Twitter, and Instagram and Facebook, all the same. Beautiful. Where are you at, Keith? <sighs> he loves to make fun of my Twitter handle, man. It's <laughs> at McDonald underscore Keith underscore. Yes, you got to have both underscores in there. <laughs> so look, so look, I can't do anything. I want to do like Keith the Shy DJ or something witty, and I'm doing this for journalism class. So she's like, keep it simple. Keep it your name. So that's what I came up with. There's a lot of Keith McDonald's out there, apparently. <laughs> well, beautiful. Thank you, people. I'm going to the hardware store. Oh, will you pick up 800 lumen bulbs? 800 more flowers? The neighbors will think we're wacky. <laughs> Not flower bulbs, light bulbs. Come on, Dad. Lumens tell you how bright the bulb is. We can replace our 60-watt bulbs with energy-saving bulbs that give off about 800 lumens. So, we'll save money. Right. Got it. 800 lumens and more savings. Lumens, the new way to shop for light. Learn more at energysavers.gov. So this is OU Radio. With me in studio is Keith McDonald. Yes, sir. A journalist in training. An overall good man, good father. And a Steve Solberg, one of the most talented men in Salt Lake City. Quickly jettisoning all over the country, becoming famous, getting made. <laughs> I hope to jettison a lot. Thank you. Otherwise known as Standupicus Comacanosaurus. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I tried my best to, to that pronounce that. Kamakanosaurus. Kamakanosaurus. That's what it is. That's on my. Uh, that's on my Twitter. I, 
<laughs> I don't know what the heck to do on Twitter. I'm a can of saucers. You trending. invented a new word. Okay? The only things that I've ever tried to trend on Twitter, I tried to get this hashtag going. Things I've regretted touching. Uh, it didn't get going. <laughs> I have one of those, though. Things I've regretted touching. Because people regret that yeah yeah so i was in hawaii and i stepped on something in the ocean and it was a sand dollar and i looked at it and i turned it over and i saw like eight million tentacles on it and i Aww. threw it in the air and i ran for dear life <laughs> and um i look like the biggest chicago urban kid that's never been anywhere in his life you know it was horrible but i would have definitely hashtag that things things i, <laughs> I want to see that i want to see those things the, the difficulty is people get kind of gross on it but i just want to know but I mean, maybe that's just how it is, because you are going to regret touching gross things, too. But because you ever touch, you just don't know all the time about one thirty in the morning when I leave a bar. <laughs> exactly. Just saying. So w one thing I really have to get out the way. I, I read your article in City Weekly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Your, your interview in City Weekly. And it said you went to BYU Hawaii. I did, yeah. First of all, I'm green with jealousy as I go out of my apartment and there's snow in March. Second right. of all, how do you go from being a biology major in school to becoming a comic? It's a weird road. Um, Is I, it the science of life that you learned and then you learned how to make people funny? I mean, make <laughs> funnies after uh, that or what? I mean, part of it, yeah. I think there is a huge degree of science in comedy, which at least maybe the way I do it. Because to me, like, I love observation. I love observational humor. And a big, big part of science is making observations. And so it was just, for me in comedy, it was like finding that unique observation and expounding on it and making it into, you know, a story that people like hearing and stuff like that. So, I mean, I think there's definitely a scientific mix with it, also with just you know, loving to perform and make people laugh and stuff like that. So my favorite comic would have to be Richard Pryor. Sasha's on record as saying his favorite comic is Patrice O'Neill. Yes. Other than yourself. Oh, wow. Okay. Other than yourself, <laughs> who would be your favorite comic? I can't imagine saying myself. That would be so weird. I have a few, but I mean. You can uh, give me a top three. Right? I'll give you an out. I, thank you. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Mike Birbiglia. Sure. And then I love Bill Cosby. And ah. then, uh, yeah. <laughs> Funny, I said I was going uh, to, to Temple, man, and you like Bill Cosby, man. He's, he's the best. He was here last week. Was it last week or two weeks ago? Was he in town? He was at Kingsbury Hall a couple oh, weeks ago. Get out of it. We're, very, we're slipping. That I might be went. one of his last times coming back, too. I would have went and tried yeah. to get a plug for the radio station. If See, I, I saw Carlin the last time he was in Salt Lake, and I saw Patrice the last time he was in Salt Lake. I would have loved both to see died. Carlin. In that yeah. Year. So maybe it's a good thing I didn't go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> just avoid Bill. He looks pretty old now. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, so right before the show starts, um, they just have the chair and a little table on stage. And real quick, the stage manager I runs out with a piece of tape that goes all the way, big red tape goes all the way from the side to the chair. Mm -hmm. And it's clear that when he comes out, he's shuffling and he's just looking at that red tape because he can't see that well, I guess. That's very sad. Yeah, yeah. But he was still very energetic, very funny. I mean, it, it was awesome. Did he have a teleprompter, or did he have stick-it notes around? Nothing, or? nothing. Did, did he go on a long diatribe about how black people suck? 
<laughs> he didn't. Thankfully, he, he, was, he didn't. He was on a ramp. He was on a rampage for a while, man. He was. He was on a rampage, and this was along the times where a lot of people were buying fake gym shoes. So I was like, Bill, nobody buys a hundred dollar gym shoes anymore. We go to Chinese websites and get them for fifty bucks. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Man. You're out of touch. You're out of touch, Bill. <laughs> on You're your fake shoes. On your shoe game. Yeah, not so much. If I were to say my favorite parts of Bill Cosby, definitely not so much his di- his personal feelings on culture and stuff like that but i love his storytelling he his is ability. a great storyteller my wife camille i <laughs> yeah. love it when he does yeah. that story about his wife man. The children have brain damage like just <laughs> so funny and true didn't he do that show uh, uh things kids say or something he put the kid on his, on his yeah. knee and the kid would just say all kind of funny that was br- a brilliant show man that was a brilliant show <laughs> they write it they write it for him that's hilarious. Exactly. So well, perfect. I, I, hopefully, you get to the point where you can get writers to write funny stuff for you, and take you can take credit for That's it. That's what I would love. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> talking, and people go, "You're so funny," because your mouth speaks words. Could I, you do that though? Could you be a ghostwriter, or would you be angry at yourself for giving up your for intellectual? Up. Yeah, there is a huge amount of pride you take when you say something and it's funny. I'm sure I could get over that yeah. though I'm, and that, enjoy that, that truckload of money that they pull up to your door. Exactly, you know, <laughs> help you get over it. So you know Johnny McKean very well. Yeah, and he was on this show for you know a year, and his whole goal is to become a television writer. Oh, and okay. so I used to always get in the conversation with him. I was like, "How can you spend hours and hours and hours and then just give it over?" And he goes, "Because that's part of the art. That's just part of the type of writing I want to do." So. Obviously, television works because there are people that have no problem giving up their intellectual freedom. But, you know, when I was in a newsroom, my th- thing going back and forth is, do I want to be a producer and write the news, mm-hmm. or do I want to get into reporting and produce and really produce my own news and then just have you know, them throw it up for me? It's very difficult writing for other people, and it's not as difficult writing for yourself. I don't think I could just be a producer and write stuff for people. Oh, yeah. I think that'd be so hard. Because uh, you just feel like everybody, you'd hear the people, especially if it was a joke, you'd hear the audience laugh, and I would be the idiot who would be like, I wrote that joke. That was me. <laughs> like the second. Tweeting it. Like, like tweeting it. Yeah. Man, you guys are totally different from me. If somebody, I'm a writer, and if somebody wants to take my words and pay me for it, you can have them. I'm, I'm anti-poverty. <laughs> okay. I need to start making money after this. So anybody that wants my writing can have it for the right price. If it's, yeah, I'm just so like addicted to the spotlight, I think, is the problem. You don't seem like that type of person, though. I don't. I don't. Well, I don't want fame, per se. The only reason I want it is because I know people will come to my shows if I am famous, and then they'll laugh, because I know that I can make them laugh. I know I can put on a good show, but people don't trust you unless you're famous to put on a good show. You're absolutely right on that. Yeah. It's weird. So take me through this start of fame. You... 17 years old you go you fly out of the mainland you go to hawaii right yeah you you bust your hump you know 18 hour 15 hour days being a biology student (laughs) you come home and you tell your parents i want to get into comedy oh my goodness well um yeah yeah sort of i mean i home is actually seattle oddly enough but i I came to utah because i had a brother here living in logan and i actually started working at a lab uh anyways lab work didn't pay a ton 
And so I thought I could make more money maybe doing a side gig. And I was like, I like performing. So I decided to hit up open mic. Did you do theater as a kid? Um, not as a kid, but in college. I did some theater. Even more impressive. Like singing stuff. So what did you perform in? Um, I, was in a, I was in a musical called The Secret Garden. <laughs> what part? What was your part? In this the is Secret this Garden? is where it's like kind of ridiculous. Like <laughs> what part? Because if I ever see the Secret Garden, I'm gonna imagine Kevin Bacon in that role. In I would. <laughs> I would. I did Ben the Gardener in the Secret Garden. Ben the Gardener. So he's an old guy. <laughs> he played an old guy. He played like a 60 year old guy. So, so they dress you up and give you all the props and everything. And yeah. You have yeah. to. Practice your your old guy walk in the in the mirror and stuff. That's right. That's you. Yeah, get gray hair and a beard, and they just want you to look super old and sing like real low. <laughs> Felt like old guys were supposed to sing low. I guess. <laughs> I don't know why. Because they got that low testosterone gargly voice. Right? Yeah, it's just I gone low testosterone down. Testosterone meant a higher voice, though. Well, I think once old men lose their testosterone, then they get that real old voice they, uh, i can't do it but. Uh, kids get off my lawn yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their larynx is just blown out from yelling at their wife and kid for 40 years that's probably what yeah that means. <laughs> yeah it's similar to like a smoker's voice yes it's just a yelling voice <laughs> that doesn't seem like comedy but like the rush that i got from the stage was so like i needed it i think i wanted that back so you do open mic your first time mm -hmm. are you successful do you or do you bomb uh, my first time was successful, oddly enough, because I had about 30 friends there. And so they <laughs> would have laughed the at whatever. <laughs> he yeah. the deck. <laughs> and at that time, only about 30 people were showing up to open mic. And so it was sort of like, who's this guy that brought half the show? Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I mean, I just lucked out. But I, it was funny enough that, uh, that Wise Guys started having me do weekend stuff. That's like hosting where I think I or opening up for people. Just opening, doing like three-minute opener sets. So you went through the real pyramid. You started at the bottom and slowly started working up. And now, are you headlining when you go to Georgia, or are you in the mid deck still? I'll I'll be in the mid. Uh -huh. Yeah, I'll be opening. In fact, I'll be at the bottom of the pyramid stuff. In fact, I what's taken me to Georgia is a race. I'm doing a I'm doing a color me rad race. And I'm in a super <laughs> tiny town. And so it's like, I just want to do time because yes. I need to stay on my toes kind of thing. Yes. And so it's like, I won't get paid, but I'll just go out there and I'll do the Color Me Rad race, which I'll get paid for that. But then I'll do time at some local like comedy bar slash whatever. So you're very good friends with Patrick Ramirez, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was in last week and he's been all, he comes on all the time. He's a friend of the show. Mm -hmm. I think he's hilarious. Ex-professional bicycle rider. Is he really? Yes. Uh, and by good friends, I meant that I have no clue about his life at all. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that he so, did that. That's awesome. And I, I say this with humility. I am a professional cameraman. I run professional cameras. Nice. I have this big urge to film you and Patrick Ramirez doing a bike race. Okay. I mean, the whole okay. theatrics with the 80s music hitting up high and the real tight shots of the mean looks and the gripping of the hand handlebars, and then just creating a little movie out like, of it. Uh, like uh, Breaking Away. Did you guys ever see that? <laughs> it's an 80s <laughs> movie. Away? I'm thinking Rad myself. Rad is good. Yeah. <laughs> Best movie ever made. Rad is. I, is I'm not rad. up on my, my bicycle movies. Okay, you're going to have to watch Rad. It's rad? the greatest, cheesiest movie you've ever seen. Rad's a skateboard movie, right? 
Or was it a bike? No, movie? Rad was the BMX. Oh, that's movie. right. Yeah, okay. with the mongoose team, and then the kid like has to get funding for his own team. And, I think I saw that. And like they got a prom scene where he does a, some cheesy '80s dance, bunny hopping with this girl and doing tabletops like in the prom room, and they get a standing ovation. It's <laughs> just horrible, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's worth watching. I would love to do that with Patrick. If he's down, I'll, I'll I'm down. Yes, we'll make I'm this ready. happen. <laughs> So how do you get into Ragnar? Because Ragnar here, you see it on every car. You see a sticker, right. especially on the East End. I lucked out uh, with Ragnar, too, because one of the people who worked there had seen me um, at the comedy club. And I do some jokes about running. So I used to run a ton. Um, I was never a professional runner. <laughs> but uh, I ran in college and stuff like that. Okay. Um, I looked at going to the U, but they did not offer me a scholarship. And BYU Hawaii did, so that's how I actually landed there. But uh, you gotta go to Hawaii. Like, yeah, if I could have done college over again, I would have gone to the University of Hawaii, studied biology, and become a male cheerleader. Yeah, that's not a mistake. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had a roommate who was a male cheerleader. He was very angry, nonstop angry. I think he was on uh, maybe uh, steroids. Steroids. I think he was on steroids. <laughs> not that all of them are, but he definitely was. He would flip out over like the weirdest stuff. It's like you got the greatest job in the world. It's like, like it's a sunny day today. <laughs> just freaking out. <laughs> we live in Hawaii. <laughs> He's freaking weirdo. Oh, and his head was weird. It was like <laughs> it was abnormal. I don't know if it very bond sized. It messed up his head. Yeah, it was way bigger than a normal head. <laughs> One thing I really not to take it away from uh, Ragnar, which I am totally like. I feel like a a big like newbie to Utah when you guys talk about it because I have no clue yeah. as to what Ragnar is before the show uh, uh, happened. One thing I always want to know from comics is what is the difference between somebody who's just funny in the lunchroom and somebody that's a professional comedian? Oh, that's a good question because it is sometimes there's no difference. Like I meet some comedians who just crack me up and I'm like, you're hilarious. And then I meet myself and I think you're not that funny. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know that, like, on these radio shows, I'm like, ah, got to be boring as all get out. But it's because stage stuff and, like, regular life are so different. There's comedians who are really funny every time. I became a comic somewhat because, like, I remember getting picked on in middle school a little bit and using humor as sort of a quick deflector tool. Mm -hmm. I think that that's somewhat where some of it started was just like, oh, okay, I I really like this feeling when I make people laugh and turn a situation around. Other people, I think, become comedians because they get that rush when they were the class clown, you know? And um, Mike Birbiglia does a bit on that. He's like the class clown who's like, you're dumb, you're fat, peace, I'm out of here, you know? <laughs> and he's like, that's not me, you know? He's like, I'm kind of the guy who would say the funny thing and then somebody else would say what I just said louder, you know? Uh -huh. And that's kind of the situation where I'm at. I, I would say maybe a funny thing, but somebody else would say it louder. And I'd be like, oh, I guess I'm funny. Well, it was a joy to watch you. Like, I, I was, because I hadn't seen you yet. Mm -hmm. So when I saw you, and you were only two minutes, which it's got to be a, a hard to do. Two minutes is, uh, yeah, it is hard. You got to be good at what you do to make a good show at two minutes. And like you said, like, you got to have that confidence and you got to hit it hard with, like, just something that stands out that's not like because so many guys get up there and say just the weirdest stuff mm -hmm. and it's like ah it stands out but maybe not in the right way you need to find out 
how to be quick, funny, and uh, ex- engaging like, to the audience. One thing you could really tell there is that when you were doing comedy, or Patrick Ramirez, or Colin Waters, mm-hmm. or Guy Sedell, was the volume of their voice. They were they took control of every person in the audience, whether they were talking to their girlfriends or eating. That they, they, com- they brought a, your attention with their eyes, with their disposition, and said, "Hey, I'm talking. Focus on me." As where the younger kids, you know, the pe- or older people who are just starting, who don't have that confidence, they couldn't control the room, yeah. even if they were funny. Mm. And so, th- is that so- that's something that you just learn, correct, by just being in front of a mic? practicing over and over again yeah yeah you got to get it in you got to do the mic as much as this that's a weird way to say it you got to be <laughs> on stage <laughs> as much as possible and uh get used to talking into a microphone i even felt like like i don't need to bring it back to this but my experience like announcing for these races uh-huh. for like ragnar color me rad all them i have to really project i have to be loud i have to have a lot of energy and um, I found that that helped me as a comedian a lot to be able to sort of project better, to make sure that the crowd knew that I was going to make sure that this is a fun time. Uh, so I think that that's like a big part of being a good comedian is like the voice. I've often thought maybe I should take voice lessons. I don't know if that's that critical, like how your voice comes across per se. But uh, it is. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it is. I, I Even if it's... Because it controls timing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Timing. And then just even like I think of the comedians that I love and all of them sort of have a voice I like listening Mm -hmm. to. And it's like, oh, maybe I should think of this more as an instrument also, not just a way of going. These are thoughts coming out of my mouth. Uh, But like this is an instrument that I'm playing. And like if I hit the right notes, the right stuff, then this joke will be funnier. You know, Uh, that's why in Salt Lake, I'm so happy that podcasters you know, like I am Salt Lake, mm-hmm. is they bring in comedians because I think radio is such a gift to comedians oh, because yeah. it's another outlet for them to hear themselves talk, to have a mic in front of you where you can just really take your time and learn from it. And we try to have comics here on all the time, not only because are they great at filling time, <laughs> but, you know, because it's always great to have another voice. Mm-hmm. But you do the most, I think, in the arts you're right up there with doing the most difficult jobs. And so anytime I can have a conversation with somebody who I am in love with the craft that they've chosen as a profession, I'm all over it. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you having us, us or me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more than one person. Us, local talent. You're talking about the uh, local us talent. Us, the local yeah, talent. Yeah, yeah. That's and it. Thank well, you for saving that. And you're I'm coming gonna, back ahead. next month on the 15th. That's right. That's yes. right. And my co-host who's on vacation or getting married or whatever she's doing sasha sounds so mad (laughs) (laughs) she's getting married no she's not but i've been uh, she might be she should well she's going to california and driving through vegas it's like oh well and she's going with her boyfriend it's like a little chapel stop yeah Sasha's gonna do like the crazy astronaut lady thing and drive there like straight with, with, <laughs> with, with the diapers diaper. on <laughs> so he can stop the marriage. Wait, <laughs> I object. <laughs> <laughs> on what grounds? I jealousy, jealousy, <laughs> jealousy, stock jealousy. Yes. W- one thing I really wanted to ask you, I really wanted to ask you. So when you started out. What did you need to work on and how did you improve on it? So there was one thing that you were like, man, this is what I really need to do to become, get where I want to go. What was that? It was 
telling punchlines. As weird as that sounds, I had one of my buddies. One of my buddies, uh, Dave Metcalf, really funny local comic. I don't see him here as much. I think he maybe moved to L.A. or something. But uh, he said to me about a year in, and he goes, how long did it take for you to realize you actually have to tell punchlines on stage? And uh, he didn't mean that in, like, a mean way. He just meant that you get to this point where, like, you're talking about earlier the lunchroom guy who's funny. But that guy's not doing punchlines per se, you know. He's just being funny. When you start out, there's a point where it's like, okay, you have to give the audience their moment to laugh. You have to speak in a certain way. Like you might be being funny, but if you don't give them that like moment for them to laugh or that punchline, like then you're not gonna ever connect with the audience. So that sounds kind of weird and, and ethereal or whatever, but like it you finally get it after a while you go oh they need a real specific moment for them to breathe and by breathe i mean laugh and you need to make them do that like about once every eight to ten seconds really you got you have it down to a formula yeah like yeah you got to get it down like if uh i have a joke and if I, i'm talking for like 15 20 seconds it's too long and so i'll be like okay how can i say that in a funny way insert a stupid funny word insert like uh, one of my other top three favorite comedians is Jim Gaffigan. Not because he cra- like he does crack me up, but um, because he talks so slowly but inserts so many punchlines. Mm-hmm. And none of them are like blowing you over with how hilarious and intelligent they are, but they're all just like packed close together. And so he gets you to this level of laughter that he uses his voice as a tool. Really, yeah. Right. Yeah, he keeps using that tool, just like, and it and it it fine tunes you to this like hilarious level. So I I think the most important thing for me as a beginning comic was to be able to like write down a joke, to suss out all the garbage, and get to the punchline quickest. That's kind of like what our professor, uh, Sasha's former professor, my current professor. Professor Kim Mangun tells us you got to master the fundamentals so you can throw them out the door, you know? Yeah. You know, once you learn how to do the punchlines, then you can start playing with it. But if you don't know about it, then it's kind of, you, you kind of get lost in the, it's the whole d- dialogue of the just sitting up there and doing a story. Talking about your, yeah, yeah, you lose it. And it's funny, yeah, because now I'm just now, I've been at it seven years, I'm starting to feel myself on stage get, getting to where I'm more myself. Like my first three or four years, I was like so nervous. I was like, oh, writing punchlines. And it felt like I would write jokes that were very like, I wouldn't normally say this, but this seems to make the crowd laugh. So I'm going to use it for a while. And now I'm getting to where it's like, I would say this and it makes the crowd laugh. And I can tell punchline every, you know, so often. So I felt good about it. It just gets easier for you. Like, yeah. you, it, now it's starting to make sense. Oh, I can write an hour now, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> start. Mm-hmm. No, because really to write an hour in comedy is one of the hardest things in the world to do. I think so. Yeah. Well, one thing I, I noticed, African-American comedians, when they do specials, they have to wear a leather outfit. Did you <laughs> notice that? <laughs> Martin wore, le- wore leather outfits. Eddie Murphy always wore a leather outfit. I yeah. never got that, man. Why, do they, why, why does Martin, I think Martin was trying to be like Eddie, but I just noticed that was kind right. of funny to me. Like, so mm-hmm. would you do an hour-long special? And like, what would be some of the, the things you worried about the most in your hour-long? I would worry about what I was wearing. <laughs> I do worry about 
the clothes. I don't think I could pull off a leather outfit. <laughs> <laughs> they call you Bon Jovi, man. That's right. Leather pants. Oh, makes me kind of sick just thinking about it. Uh, in the hour, I actually did an hour the other day, but I had a big section where, like, the crowd, I did a lot of crowd work in the middle. And it, I was lucky because it just kind of happened and it, like, killed, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, this stuff about an hour, I think I could maybe do it. I feel like I have a really strong 45. Um, but an hour, man, that oh. is the magic number in comedy. I certainly know that in four years I will be seeing you on HBO or <laughs> whatever the new spot is on the internet. I know you're going to be there. So uh, oh, I, I hope so, man. I Thank hope you. so too, just so I could be cool by association. <laughs> <laughs> I interviewed that guy. I'll do it. I'll do so it just so that. You're out of town this week. When you come back, you're, let's, let's give you the plug. Where, where are you next week? I am next week in uh, Wise Guys Ogden on historic 25th Street, yes. hanging out where Al Capone <laughs> made his uh, alcohol running business or whatever. For gangsters, by gangsters. Yes. And, and uh, 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 what is it? Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock at that club. I will be up there and I'll do my best to bring a field trip up there too. And we'll go do a Steve's. A field trip. That'd yes. be awesome. You know, actually, I'm going to record that show. So if you um, want to be on my first CD, hopefully we get something that's useworthy, but I plan on making my first CD actually off of these uh, shows, the 21st and 22nd. Nice. Well, certainly let me know if you need any production help. I'm pretty good at it. Awesome. And I'm free. So (laughs) I'm free for friends, as they say. Man. So you're at Steve Solberg at Twitter. At, at Twitter and the same at Instagram and the same just on the Facebook. I encourage you to watch his stuff on YouTube and support him because he is what makes Salt Lake City good. So, Awesome. Yes. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you for joining the U. We Thank appreciate you, you. Listen to the Golden Era Show, a bilingual show, every Monday from 2 to 5 p.m. with Veronica on KU Internet Radio, a radio for students by students. I've got one. I've got one. Yeah, I've got one. My one reason for donating plasma? To make sure that patients like my son have long, healthy lives. My reason? To help my family. It's something I can do to show I care about my community. There are millions of reasons to donate plasma. You only need one. Donate today by visiting Biomat, Plasma Care, or Talacris Plasma Resources, one of our Griffles companies. New donors can earn up to $360 this month. 630 West North Temple and 38 East 800 South, Salt Lake City. One good thing about music, when it hits you, you feel no pain. So let the you educate you. Let your professor stress you out. Let them educate you as well. Let the library give you a good place for you to study. And let KU's Internet Radio give you good music every Saturday, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., 10 p.m. to midnight. KU's Internet Radio, radio for students, by students. God bless you, and have a great week, people. Bless and love. Peace.